0: Most believers, I'll make a statement, I want you to consider what I'm saying, live their entire Christian life not in God's best interest. How many know that? Do you do believe that? Most Christians fall short of what God wants for them in their life. Let me put it bluntly. Most. And we're going to see here in the scripture why. Why? How do you know God wants to bless you? He loves you. He gave His Son for all of our sins to to, to cleanse us, to purify us, to make us a holy bride suitable for Him for all eternity. I mean, God went... Jesus went out of His way, man. And do you know in this life He wants you and I to be blessed? How many believe that? I mean, the Bible gives us a great indication of that. But do you know how many Christians realize that In their own life. Very few. Let's look at some scriptural things here. I want us to look at some things here. I want to talk today, not just about tired of trying, but the the main emphasis on this particular message is God's rest. Do you know God has a rest for you to enter into? That you can have here and now? He has a rest for you so that you can be blessed. He has a rest for you and for me so that we can stop striving to enter, but we can actually enter into that rest while we're here waiting for our home in heaven. Oh, there is a rest in the future when we get to heaven. That's an eternal rest. Hallelujah. There's no more striving once we get there. Right here and now is where we need The rest. Now, how many of you, when you're working and at the end, you're tired, you're physically exhausted, amen? You want to lay down and what? Rest. You know, how many of you have the deep, wonderful, abiding peace of God in your mind and in your heart? Do you have that? Do you have that in your life? (coughs) One person raised their hand. I don't... You're more blessed than all of us. I don't. Do you really have that in your life? Do you know what? You can. You can. Okay. I can. We need to strive for that. Let me read my introduction here. Many of the best things in life elude us in proportion to how hard we try to achieve them. Among these is peace of mind. I mean, peace of mind is right at the top for me. I don't know about you. Hallelujah. Inner tranquility. Like happiness, it is obtained only as a byproduct of something else. Kent, somebody gives you a million dollars today, I guarantee you he's going to be happy. Right? Why? Why? Somebody gave him a million dollars, okay? When we look at the Bible's understanding of blessedness or being happy, it's being or doing the things that Jesus prescribed. Blessed or happy is He that is this, or He that does this, if that is the poor in spirit, the meek. They, you see, there's it's, it's a difference that relies upon things that are given to us. And what we need to see and understand is that inner rest that only God can give is a byproduct of our trusting Him. Trusting in Him. You know, how many... No, we call each other as Christians believers, right? We're believers, right? But how many of us really have believing faith? I mean, or are we really just saying we're believers, but we're really pretending we have unbelief? Let's look at the Scripture. Don't don't, don't make any judgments yet. Let's look at the Scripture here. Because this spoke to me. I needed to make changes. Hello? I mean... If you don't need to make changes in your life, you're good, okay? I need to make changes. And uh, God was dealing with me. I don't preach anything I don't need myself, okay? I'd be a hypocrite if I did. I don't. Or if I've made it, or I've arrived at this place spiritually, and now I'm going to help you to get to where I am. No, I'm with you. We're struggling. We're striving. We're trying to get there. Amen? And I believe by God's help we can. There is a rest for us. And uh, I want us to look at the book of Hebrews and see just that. In uh, Hebrews chapter number 3, beginning verse 1, we'll see God's faithful son. Now, the book of Hebrews was written around A.D. 42 or 45 to the probably the Jews, the Christians, but the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. It was before the destruction of the temple in A.D. 7. No one knows who the author was. Many people attribute it to Paul, but it's not like any of Paul's other writings. It doesn't resonate as being something that he had written. That's my personal opinion. Whoever wrote it is is, is brilliant. It was written in a classic Greek, whereas Paul didn't use that same style in any of his other uh, letters, and nor did uh, there there any salutation or greeting like Paul has in it. But this is the most... Heady New Testament book, the book of Hebrews, is the most theologically weighted in, in all the New Testament, is the book of Hebrews. And it explains Christ and the church after the resurrection and our relationship to Him and how our relationship to Him is not by works, but from faith. Now he was addressing the author that is, and it's really the Holy Spirit, I mean, the God's? word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Jews at that time were under great persecution for their faith in Jesus. And they were tired of trying to live both sides. They, they were ready to slip back into the world. They were going to slip back into the ways of the law. And the author is warning them not to do that. that, that that's a mistake, a, a serious mistake. He wrote it not just to the Hebrew Christians, but He wrote it to all of us, for Christians of all all ages. And uh, we'll see here in Hebrews 3, God's faithful Son. And He likens Christ and contrasts Him between Moses. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Now, who's He talking to? The church. Holy brethren. You and I. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the Apostle, and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So he's telling us to consider Jesus. We're to look to Jesus, to consider Him. What are we to consider? Well, number one, He's our high priest, and you and I are a, a literally a nation, according to Peter, of royal priests to serve alongside. We partake of His ministry with Him. Now when you contrast Christ's priestly ministry today, which is still going on, with the Jewish priesthood, it's quite different. But you and I are priests alongside Him. We're to consider Him as our high priest. And verse 2 says, He was faithful to Him that appointed Him. Now He was appointed high priest because He earned the right to be the high priest. by his. He, he, he learned obedience by those things that He suffered and was made perfect. And God gave him a name above every name, and he appointed him a high priest after the order of not Aaron, but Melchizedek. Amen. He was faithful to God, and it was God who appointed him to that position. As also, he says, Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses is being mentioned here because the Jews, even to this day, 2,000 years later, think so highly of Moses, he's the man. Moses is the man. And, and what, what we're, he's trying to get through to us here is that Christ is greater than Moses. Okay, let's read on here. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Who? Christ. Inasmuch as much as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was a faithful in all of his house... As a what? Servant. For a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of after. So Moses was was doing something that was to set the stage for something that would come afterward. After Moses. And that is Christ. We know that now. That would be Christ. He came after Moses. Moses pointed toward Christ. That's all he could do. Now notice Moses was a faithful servant. Okay? But verse six, Christ is a son over his own house. Moses was a servant in God's house. Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the whole firm unto the end. Notice there's a condition there. If, if we do one day, hold fast our profession of faith, and our confidence in Him to the end. If you look at Moses, as great of a prophet as he was, he was only a servant. A servant can never be the son. It'd be like Batman. Batman has a Wayne is just that right? His butler's name is what? Alfred. Alfred. Moses is, is Alfred, but Bruce Wayne is greater than Alfred because Alfred is just a servant. Hello? I mean, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Silly illustration, but you get my point. Moses was not as great as Jesus by any stretch of the meat. He was just a servant in God's household. Do you know that Jesus, when He was... During his earthly ministry, he said of John the Baptist, the last prophet of the Old Testament, he closed out the Old Testament, John did. He said, You, as a believer, are greater, the least of these in my kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Do you know you have a greater calling than Moses? Do you know that? We'll, as we move along, we'll see something. You, you have a greater position in God than Moses ever will have. The church is like dog fat. We don't know. We don't really understand. Let's, let's look at the Word. I mean, that's what he's telling us, man. I mean, look at here. When Christ was raised up, who was raised up with him? Ephesians chapter 1. We were. Where's Christ raised up to? The highest heaven. At the right hand of the Father. Seated on the throne. Where's Moses? He ain't up there. Come on now. Alright, let's go ahead and read on. Now he's telling the Jewish Christians that he's pointing them to Christ. He's saying, look, I mean, I know you want to go back to Moses, but look, you, you, you know, you're stepping way back down from where you need to be. It's Christ that is the one you need to deal with. They were tired of trying to live for Christ by faith. And it was so natural for them to just go back into work. So you know how many people in the church think, well, you know, if I just do enough good works, I'll I'll get to heaven. Or my good will outweigh my bad. I mean, that doesn't work like that. But that's a natural inclination. You know, every religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, especially Judaism, is all do, 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 do so that you can earn, 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 earn. I mean, by the time Jesus came along, man, the the Pharisees had weighed the people down with so many rules and regulations and laws, they couldn't even move. They were so weighted down with rules and do's and don'ts. We need to believe and have faith. Secondly, God's unfaithful people. Now look, this is kind of where it gets a little ugly now. Okay? Bear with me. Bear with me. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today... If you hear his voice, now he didn't say it yesterday or in the future. He said what? Today. Today, That's a present tense. If you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Whose hearts? Ours. Ours. Okay, as in the provocation. Now he's looking back to an event now. In the days of the temptation in the wilderness. Now we all know about that. Just go to the book of Exodus and we see the wilderness experience. Now this is very important to you and I today. As believers. He's talking to the Jews here. He said, Your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath. Oh, God has got it wrath on his people. He said, I swore in my life, they shall not enter into my rest. Now, why did God tell the people back then that they wouldn't enter into His rest? When He had prepared a rest for them, but they couldn't get there. Why couldn't they get there? They had to wander in that wilderness. What did He say? Forty years. Forty years. But where was the rest? In the promised land. He had promised them a rest. I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to enjoy your own... Every man will have his vine and fig tree. You'll just enjoy the blessings of the land... But they couldn't enter in. There was something stopping them from getting that rest. If you don't have rest right now, listen to me, something is stopping you from getting that. Okay? I'm going to tell you what it is right here. It's the same thing. How many you know, we're no different than anybody else. Okay? Human nature has not changed. Okay? Here's what it is. Now look here. God was was angry with them. Look at verse 12. Take heed... Brethren, who's he talking to? Now he ain't talking to Israel, he's talking to the church now. Okay. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you. Now look what he says here, an evil heart of unbelief. Now notice he didn't say a fornicator, a liar, a cheater, a a adulterer. He said an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is a sin. Oh man, it's It's way up there, brother. It kept the children of Israel from receiving from God the promise that He had for them. He was so angry because what He had prepared for them, they were too stupid to step into it because of their own unbelief. You know, God has a a level of peace and blessing for you to walk in today, right now. But you know, I, I hate to say it, we're too stupid to realize it and walk in it. I know I am. I'm speaking to me. And I'm like, God, why am I, why do I fight myself? Why do I do this? Please help me. Look what he says in verse 13. Exhort. What does that word mean? Help. Huh? Help. Help? Help. Encourage. 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 That's the one I wanted to hear. But they're both, it goes all together. Help and encourage. Exhort one another, what? Amen. Daily, while it is called what? Today. Today, lest any of you be what hardened. hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, when we're not living and following for God a hundred percent, sin, sin right at your doorstep. Sin's creeping right into your heart. It's hardening your heart. What is what is the most dangerous thing to a grown man as he ages? His arteries get hard. Coronary, a, a, a thrombosis, a heart attack—that can be death, That can take you out. And really, what we have here uh, is a hardening of the spiritual man that can kill you, spiritually hurt you. Uh, now, there's a, a, the, 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 the literal meaning is a calloused heart. You know, I, we were talking about working, how lord. When I was working, my hands were calloused. You know what I'm saying, They, they were just... They, they were callous. Now, my hand's like a little girl now. I feel, I feel...
1: And if I was to go
0: back and work, hello? My hands would be... I mean, they'd I'd, I'd be bleeding. They'd be hurt. But blistered, blistered up. But when I was working, daily, what happened? Callous built up. And you don't feel the pain. You just... Because it's the callous. Now, that's a good thing when you're working with your hands. But that's a bad thing in a spiritual sense because when God is speaking to you, you don't hear it. You can't feel the voice of God. You can't hear. You you've become hardened to the voice of the Spirit of God. And you won't be listening to somebody else's voice. Hello, who if you're not listening to God, who are you listening to?
1: Well,
0: you better believe it. Let's see here. Why do you think he says exhort one another? You know, we don't live in a vacuum, we're a body. We're a family. We're to encourage one another. We're to be together, to lift up each other, to exhort, to encourage, to strengthen us. Because we're all part of the same body. Serving God together. But we're a part of that body. Look here. For we are made, what, partakers of Christ. That's more than just a servant. We're a partaker of Christ. Christ. If what? Here's the condition again. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So are God's promises for us conditional? According to this text, it is. Sure it is. You are to make it to the end. What's the, what is the end He's speaking of?
1: The end of this world.
0: The end of your journey, right? Either you you either are resurrected or, or you die and then are resurrected later. But you've you got to make it to the end. And we're told and exhorted to hold on to, to our profession of faith in Christ. Why would we be told to hold on to that? Because you're going to be tempted to let go. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be tired of trying to hold on. You ever done pull up? Hello. Come on now. I've done one. I don't, probably couldn't do nothing now, but I just, you know, I do one, do two, and all of a sudden, I can't hold on to the bar. Hello? You know what? I'm, you ever have that feeling where you go let go? Don't, you slip off, right? You're just too tired to try. You can't do another one. John said he'd do like 30 of them right now. Yeah, right. One hand,
1: right?
0: Ken said he, he he'd just hook his <laughs> peggies over the bar and lift up. <laughs> We're exhorted to hold on because we're going to be stretched to the point of letting go. Your faith is going to be tried. It's more like precious gold and silver. It's going to be tried by fire. Make it not strange, the fiery trial. How many have been under attack? That's what I'm saying. How many have been under trial? Come on now. It doesn't have to be... You, You can have a health issue. You can have a... Family issue, you can have a neighbor issue, you can have a church issue, you can have a job issue, you could have any kind of issue. It's an issue that's trying your faith. Don't give up. Don't get tired of trying. We need to trust God. There is a rest. There is a rest for you where we can reach a place where we can be in God and have His peace and tranquility. You know, it's like kind of like going to... Vacation. How many like vacation? <laughs> How many like going to the beach? To the be- I don't like going to the beach. You know why I don't like I look like a beast whale when I'm there. <laughs> but you know, you go to the beach and you, and you lay out on the sand, soaking up the sun, slathering all. But you have to have rest for the body, right? And you're not working, so you're resting in the body. But have you know, there are a lot of people lay out on the beach and they're thinking, oh man, I gotta go to work tomorrow and I gotta do this. I gotta... There's no peace, right? <laughs> somebody come in church, you know, they hear the, they go, Oh, praise the Lord, how do you get And they worry about this person or that. Somebody said this, somebody did that. There's no peace. We, 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 need, to, we need to get God's rest. Amen? We need His rest. I mean, if we're going to kill ourselves if we don't get His rest. If we're partakers of Christ, that's what it says here, right? Verse 14. We need to hold on. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In other words, believers can do just what Israel did in the wilderness. For some, when they had heard, did provoke how be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. How many people made it into the promised land that came out of Egypt under Moses? None. Oh, not quite right. Not quite right. Joshua, Joshua and Caleb, Caleb, and then the crowd under, was it under 30 or under 20? 600,000 people had to die before God would bring them in, said so their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They couldn't enter into His rest. He wanted them then. He wanted them to re-enter in, but they couldn't because of their own stupidity. They wouldn't believe God. Please, don't, let's not 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 none of us be that way. I, I, I just, we don't want to be that way. Let your heart be tender toward the Lord, toward the Word of God, toward the your brothers and your sisters in the faith let our hearts be tender loving one another as christ loved us amen look at verse 70 but with who, whom was he grieved for 40 years was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom swear he and here's god swearing i swear by my name they will not enter into His rest, but to them that, believe, them that believe not. That's what the ones who unbelief, kept them out. So we see that they could not enter, verse 19, because of
1: unbelief.
0: unbelief. Now think about this for a minute. Man, these people saw God rain down the plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh. They saw God by a cloud by day, His presence, a pillar of fire by night. They saw a wall of fire come between israel 's armies and the Egyptian armies to protect them. A wall of fire and then God opened the Red Sea and let them go across on dry ground. They saw God drown Pharaoh and his armies in that Red Sea. God took them to the wilderness, gave them water to drink, rained down manna from heaven to eat time and again he Met their needs. Their shoes didn't even wear out in 40 years, Brother John. Come on, brother. And these people were so ungrateful, they murmured and complained about God the whole 40 years they went there. David's a good thing I'm not God. (laughs) A whole generation had to die off. Now what is the author of Hebrews bringing that up for? Why is he saying this? He said, don't let yourselves get in that condition. Don't be that way. Now if we couldn't be that way, he wouldn't have said nothing, right? Okay, come on. He shows us instances of unbelief and warnings against it and the consequences. They fail. They fail. And we see God's Antidote. We see God's will, His promise. And that's really what I want to focus on today, and it's in chapter four. And we will—we're covering a lot of ground, but this is where I wanted to get us to. But I want—I want to read this story for you. And um, this—I want you to think for a minute. I'm about to read you something that was clipped out of a Christian paper from 1974. How many years ago was that? That's a couple years back, eh? Look what he says here. I'm going to quote this. Insecurity, fear, together with a high standard of living, are behind the rising tide of occultism in the United States, reports Dr. Kurt Koch, a German Lutheran theologian and medical psychologist. Now this is like 25 years after we defeated the Nazis in Germany. He's writing his opinion on the United States American people, the church, the church in America. Okay, Listen to what he says. You Americans fear the Russians, you fear atomic war, the Middle East, and Vietnam. Now we all say, "Oh, well, Vietnam—that's a strange word. We hadn't heard that for a few years. Just put Korea in there, or whatever, and it's the same." Hello. Yeah, that's right. How many years did we say it was?
1: Forty-three.
0: Forty-three years, and we still—you Americans—always worried about all the—is he not true? Is that the truth? Why is it still in our news and our headlines today? What business do we have, you Americans? Now look what he says. You're insecure. The insecurity of your lives is growing every day. Despite more leisure time, isn't that true? Easier working conditions, more money, and more opportunity to get away from it all, many people today find that true rest, mental and physical, eludes them.
1: That's
0: right. Isn't that amazing? What was true in 1974 is even more true today. It's an amazing fact. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll see God's perfect rest. Now, there is no division in the Bible. How many know that between chapter 3 and 4? It's a continuation. From verse 19 of chapter 3, we they could not enter rest because of unbelief. And then the very first the next verse in chapter 4, 1, let us therefore, because they couldn't enter in, let us therefore fear. Fear. Do you hear that word? How many, how many times do you hear that in church? You better fear. Isn't that what He's telling you? You them? Better, you better fear. Lest a promise being left to us of entering into His rest, any one of us should come short of it. Do you know if God has something for you? How many want what God has for you? I know I do. God is saying, I have a rest for you. I have a rest for you. But don't come short of it. You better be in fear that you will come short of it. How you remember hearing that? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's a lie. You don't have to fear fear. But you better fear not entering into His rest. You better fear not getting what God has for you. That's what you need to fear. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear fallen angels. Don't fear demons. Don't fear man. Fear God fear God. He's a consuming fire. Dave read it before we began our service about the God of war, of the Old Testament. God's severe. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. We see here He didn't play games with Israel. He said, man, you you kindled my wrath and I dropped your carcass in the wilderness. You go to the Old Testament, you see God uh, carrying the Ark of the Covenant to... uh, was at Obed-Edom's house. The ark, remember how did he get there? Remember they, the, the, the children of Israel? They thought, well, we're going to just lift that mercy seat and look inside. And they did. And God killed tens of thousands of Jews in, in, what, in a moment of time. Bam! They just hit the ground. Dead. They didn't do what He said. So they're moving it to Obed-Edom's house. A Gentile, hallelujah, who kept the faith in God. And God blessed him for keeping the ark. But you remember on their journey, they didn't do what God said to do. They put it on a cart. God said, no, only priests with a stave could carry that ark. They put it on a cart, and a godly man, a good man, reached his hand out as the cart was getting ready to fall off the cart, and God struck him dead right there. David said, oh my God. God, God says what He means, <laughs> and He means what He says. You know, we need to obey Him if we're going to have the best from Him, Amen. And when He says, "I got a promise for you," we need to pay attention to what that promise is. Look what He says in verse two: "For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them." That's good news. That's the Hebrew word for good news. Now you got two different groups of people. You got the Jews who God said, I'm going to give you a rest. And it was a temporary rest. It wasn't the fullness of rest. We'll see that as we move along. But He promised them rest in the promised land. They fell short. Only a few got it. God promises the church the same type of a better rest. Same type of promise, but a better rest. How many really get it? How many really get it? Come on now. I want you to get it. Somebody say Amen. He says, the gospel the good news was preached unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. You've got to take the word and apply it by faith to your life. God's not going to do it for you. He's already done everything for you. Now it's up to you to respond. Hello? By faith. Without faith, it's impossible to... You can't please God. You have to have faith. Just to get saved, you have to have faith. It's called saving faith. Come on, now let's read on. See something about these this rest here. For we which have been have believed. How many believers we got? We enter into rest as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath. And they shall enter into my rest, although my works were finished. He said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the what? Foundation of the world. What? What? God had a plan for you to enter His rest with Him? Together with Him? Yes. Before the world was even late, even created you were in his mind before he even created the world. The scripture says Christ was the lamb slain from what? Before the foundation. It wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't like, well, if this goes wrong, I'll do this or I'll do that. He had it all in place. God created, the Bible says, in six days the heavens and the earth. Hello? And what did he do on the seventh? Rest. He rested. Why did he rest? Because he was done. He was finished. What's God doing right now? Resting. He's still resting. He, he did not stopped resting. No, but he, but he sent Jesus and He fought all these battles. And he, he's resting. He didn't, he said, yeah, Jesus did what he had to do, but he didn't, he didn't lose his composure. He didn't get out of his rest. He just said, God just was he, he had planned it all before it even happened. That's the kind of God we're dealing with. Come on now, you and I respond and react. He, he, he's just spoken forth what it's going to be. He already knows the end from the beginning. Somebody say amen. He says here that, Yet they shall enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise... He's talk about the Sabbath rest, the seventh day. God did rest the seventh day from all of his works... And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Now notice he said it again. So there's still a rest yet to enter into. Seeing therefore there it remains that some must enter therein, that they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, Harden not your heart. So God is calling out to His people. He's calling out to Israel. He was calling out to the Hebrew Christians not to turn back because there were still some of the Jews who were going to come to faith. Some of the seed of David were going to come to faith in Christ. And and there was a rest for them yet to enter into. And there's a rest for us. Now look what he says here. Verse 8 is a mistranslation if you have the King James. And what I mean by that is this. For, For if Jesus had given them rest, that should not say Jesus. Every translation. What does it say in another translation? Anybody have it? I've got Joshua. 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 Okay. Now is that a mistranslation? It's, it's, it's confusing is what it is. It's not a mistranslation. It's a confusion. That should be Joshua. He's talking about Joshua entering, entering into the land of Canaan into the rest with the people of God who was Nadab and Abihu and those under the age of 30. They were the ones who went in and took the land. The other ones had to die off. The word Jesus in our language in the Hebrew is Yahshua, which means Joshua. It's the same word. But we look at it in King James, we think he's talking about Jesus. No, that would confuse you if you read it that way. It's Joshua. If he gave them rest, he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Well, Jesus is our rest. Hallelujah. He is the other day. I mean, Joshua looked forward to Jesus. and That's what we're living in today. Now, let's read on and we'll see that. There is therefore remaineth a rest to the people of God, verse 9. For if he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. God worked, he created on six days, he rested on the seventh. Jesus came down, was incarnate in human flesh, he took upon himself the likeness of. Of human flesh, he defeated Satan in the weakness of his flesh. Somebody say Amen. amen. He had no sin. He had to be the God Man. Jesus worked. He said, "I must work the works while it is light, for the day coming when I can no longer work." And when he hung on that cross, as your propitiation and mine, as, our, as it, the sacrifice that forgives us of our sin, when he took the penalty for your sin upon himself. And he cried out, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. You know he fought. He worked. He went to Gethsemane. The Bible said he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Literally cry, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. I mean, the weight of what He was about to go through came down upon Him. And it's not the weight you might think it was. Or maybe you would, I don't know. But what God Jesus, He wasn't afraid to die. Death didn't scare Jesus, not one hour. The weight was He was going to be separated from His Father that had never been done he would have to endure on that cross alone as God his father would pour the wrath, his wrath out upon Jesus the penalty that was due you and I he had to take it alone and that was almost more than he could bear he cried out father if it's possible of course it, it wasn't he had to go and he obeyed that. That's why he was able to be raised up far above any other name. Far above it. He earned the right Amen. by what he went through. Hallelujah. God crowned him with many crowns. Hallelujah. Because of his obedience. Amen. And when he said, it is finished. finished, he rose up to the right hand of the Father sat down. He rested. You and I are invited by Jesus and by the Father to enter into that that rest. We're invited to come through the very veil of His flesh. You know in the Old Testament the, the priest could minister in the inner court in a certain prescribed manner. They had to offer a dead things on that altar of sacrifice. Dead things. And only once could the high priest enter into the Holy of Holies. Once. But Jesus there was a barrier between man and God. A barrier. And only could He come through prescribed methods offering the dead things, which was a type of Christ that's been done away with. Somebody say amen. amen. And He... When he hung on that cross, that veil was rent. It it was was ripped in two. Saying, You can now come into my presence. Okay? You can now come because I have done all the work for you and now I'm resting. Why are you striving today? Why are you worried about different things? Why are you upset about what's bothering you today? Why are you jacked out over anything? Enter into his rest. It's available. How do you do it? Repent. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Enter into His rest. The Bible says, at His right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. In His presence, is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, pleasures forevermore. Why are you down here fussing and moaning? Get your head out of the sand. Come on, man. Let's get up and enter into that veil by... Faith. Faith and what obedience to the word is what brings the rest. I had to kick myself in the head last night. I said, God, it's too simple for me to be. I got to do something. Isn't there something I got to do? Aren't there some hoops I have to jump through? Maybe set them on fire? Flaming hoops? I mean, I got to do something. Do I have to send an offering in? What do I got to do? He said, just believe me. Come before me. Enter into my presence. Uh, I will give you a challenge this week. When you get along with God, and you better get along with God. Come on. I dare you. I dare you. To say, Jesus, let me come into your presence. Lord, let your presence. Let me me, me be by your side. Lord, by faith I believe. By faith I believe. Now, I want to turn over to a scripture here. I'm going to give you one. You may be like me, okay? It's found in Mark chapter 9. A father brings a child to Jesus who's grievously vexed with a demon. Verse 23 of chapter 9. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Can you enter into God's presence this week? Absolutely. You better believe you can. And I think you better, you, you, better, you better believe it. Come on. And straightway the father of the child cried out one of the greatest lines in the whole Bible. And i claimed this one many times with, a, with tears. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, God honored that man's prayer and that boy was set free. That very same Jesus cast that thing out. The disciples couldn't believe it. They said, How, how in the world? We tried to cast it out, it wouldn't come out. He said, This guy only goes out by much prayer and fasting. They would not going to go the extra mile. Jesus did. Amen. Sometimes we don't have God's rest because we don't, we don't take the time, come on, to go the extra mile. shame on us. Why? That's unbelief. Do you know that? That's, that's hardness of heart and unbelief. Let's read on. Now this sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Verse 11. So we're told that he entered into his rest and ceased from his own works. Verse 10. Now verse 11 says, let us, everybody say us, us. labor. That don't sound like rest. But it is. Come on now. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. What rest? Jesus' rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief like the children of Israel did. He's saying the church can have the, can fall in the, in the promise of God just like Israel fell. And they didn't get it. You might be in danger. You better fear. You better fear that you fall short of God's best for you. I better fear, because the scripture says I can fall short. I cannot enter into that. And I don't know about you. I want what God has for me. I not only do I. You know what? I need God's rest. Amen. Yes. I need. Mean, I, I mean, without it, I'm gonna go crazy. Hello. Have you looked at what's going on around us today? in the, I need His rest. Hello? The world is a madhouse. It's gone crazy. You saw what's going on in the Sunday school. You saw it. Hey man, this is is for real. We're in it. Let's get His rest. Let's get His best. Come on now. That that, that, that preaches now. If you want His rest, take the best. Come on. He said, let's labor therefore. What are we laboring for? We're striving to enter into that rest. And then you're up. Preparing this message yesterday early, finished it, finished it yesterday early, and then yesterday night I'm revising and changing and revising, and I'm like, I didn't even sleep all night long. I'm like, here I'm preaching a message on rest. I didn't even get no rest. I I need to apply it to my own. Come on now. Are you tired of trying on your own? How about we sit down with Jesus? And just rest with him. Huh? Isn't that a marvelous idea? He did all the work. Well, you know, I got to do this. I got to be busy for Jesus. I got to serve the Lord. And I got to stay busy doing it. And we're just busy doing all kinds of things. And what we're wearing ourselves out. And he said, I did everything for you. Just sit back with me and rest enter in strive to enter in now that, that, is, that is effort come on we've got to strive to enter into the rest I mean I've got to do everything I can to hold on to him and his promises so that I don't fall short that's the struggle that's the fight the good fight of faith because what's the enemy trying to do Is he's, he's gunning for your faith what does God operate by? faith faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God if he can steal the seed of faith out of your mind and he gets it out of your heart, you continue to labor and struggle. You continue to have a bad experience as a Christian, and you wonder why. Because you, you, he's winning the battle, not you. You need to enter into his rest. You know when you get up there with Jesus, and I'm tell you something. I, I, I challenge you this week. Do that. Do that. And last night I was. I did that. I mean more than normal. Okay. I, and I felt God start to come down and it scared me, okay? Maybe a little, it scared me. God is holy. I felt my sinfulness, man. I really felt very sinful. <laughs> and Pastor Jerry was repenting, repenting left and right over attitudes and issues in my... Forgive me, Lord. I said, you draw close to Jesus and you ain't got no complaints. <laughs> They're going to burn up in His presence. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to feel really like, uh uh-oh. But when you get there, you're going to find rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Do you believe it? Do you believe that? Or are we like those in unbelief? They didn't really believe it. Some folk come to church, they see people get blessed. They go, glory to God. They see people get a blessing in their life. And they're like, they're all around blessing. They know God blesses. But they're still trying, striving to earn their salvation. They're going to still try to do it their way. It's going to work. There's only one way. Faith. He did all the work. We need to stop striving. Amen? We need to stop trying. How many you remember that saying? Let go and let God. 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 We need to enter into His rest. Now look what it says here as we close. For the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I imagine this author of Hebrews had in mind, as he was talking about the priesthood and the, the sacrifices that were cut up and laid before... God Almighty as He would those sacrifices would be burned up before Him. You know, you and I are living sacrifices. sacrifices made holy and acceptable to God through who? Christ Jesus. And everything about us. When I got in His presence last night, I was naked, I was cut up, I was laid bare before the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. And I felt undone. Let me tell you that right now. You hear people in church, I'm going, well, you know, we just going to walk up to Daddy God, Abba Father, and we'll sit on His lap. Let me, tell, let me tell you, that's not going to happen. That's a fantasy right there. You seek the face of God, and He's a consuming fire. You will feel His presence, His holiness, and it's you who will change, not Him. Yes, He's our dear Father, but He's also God Almighty. Think about it like this. What if your daddy was president of the United States? He's your daddy, right? You can talk to him as dad. But when you walk into him in his office, he's Mr. President. Now, we're talking about God here. We're talking about the creator of the universe. The one who, who died for you. He has a rest for you and I to enter into. It's, it, it's through the veil in His presence. He invites us to come. Now, if you're struggling, and I know I've been. I've been struggling. Bad, big time. Got a lot of things going on. Uh, causing me to lose my peace of mind. My, I'm having a hard time. My wife and I both, we're having difficulties, man. It's, it's a rough road. Maybe you're not. Maybe everything's smooth for you. Then this ain't for you, okay? But this is for me. Look what he says here. Neither is any creature, verse 13, that is not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then, verse 14, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, plural, correct? He's passed into the heavens, man. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us what? Hold fast our profession. For we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tested, or tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, a better translation is confidently, unto the throne of grace. We're confident because He made the way. He ascended so that we could ascend behind Him to be with Him. One day we will ascend completely with Him. He says we need to ascend, now look what he says here, to the throne of grace. I'm challenging you this week. I want everybody here to go to the throne of grace. Are you with me? Come on. If you're not, you're an unbeliever. i got got some believers here willing to go? You're willing to go to the throne of grace? How do you need grace? Oh boy, I need I need a, I need a double shot. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> We said, "Let us come confidently to the throne of grace." He's inviting us that we may what obtain mercy and find what grace to do what help in time of need. Oh my Lord, he invites us to come. We try to work things out on our own. You try to you try to solve all your own problems on your own. What's, what's happening? How, how you feeling? How are you feeling handling all your difficulty, Robbie? You got it all under control? You know, it, I'm not ashamed as a grown man to say I need him. That's right. I rely on him. He helps me when nobody else does. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is my God and my Lord. I, I, I love him. He gave himself for me. That I can come to know Him. Who am I? I'm a a, a sewer rat. Who are you, really? Who are we? That He would have anything to do. But He loves us. He he planned out Eleanor's life before He even created the world. He said, I know Eleanor. He, He knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to be doing 50 million years from now. He's going to be enjoying Think about that. Now what we don't want to do is look back and say, well, you know, I was trying to serve the Lord in a little, little bit of brief time and i acted crazy. I didn't even believe Him. I just, you know, I missed out. I don't want to miss out. I don't. No, 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 no. no. I don't want to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. None of us to miss out. God has good things for us in store. He does. Good things for you. It does take some effort. We need to strive to enter in. That means we've got to go before Him. You know that I can't go before God on Tony's behalf and stand in His place. I can't do that. I can pray for Him, but I can't go. You have to get saved yourself. You have to get Spirit-filled yourself. You have to walk your life out with God yourself. And He knows that. He knows I don't on. He understands that. Everybody individually, you can't get to heaven because your mom and dad are going to heaven. You've got to get saved by his... You're going to have to deal with who to get to heaven? Jesus Christ. You want to have a successful life? Your high priest is the king. Your high priest. My high priest. What have I done? I've been just like the children of Israel most of my Christian life. I complain when things don't go right, I get upset, I grumble. I say, God, why? And He's made the way. And I'm like, why why do I do this? He made the way. We just need to come before the throne of grace. It's, how many know God may say it's easy, but it always it isn't easy. How many know what I mean? It's easy, but how many know salvation is simple, right, Tony? Jesus died and rose again for you, but it isn't simple, is it? Because people just don't get it. I'm talking about most people, you know. But let me conclude here. I've got an illustration from a Michigan newspaper that makes my point clear. It's. says here that a stretch of the Muskegon River in Michigan flows through an area known locally as the Pots and Kettles because the terrain is made up of hills that look like a jumble of pots and kettles thrown upside down. The river is swift and there are few places where any but strong swimmers would be safe. But there is a place where the current Current of the river, if you're willing to trust yourself to that current, it will sweep you away from the bank, out toward the opposite side, into a wide arc around a bend, and then land you gently back in the shallows on the same side. You must trust yourself to the current. Well, listen to what it says here. Few have enjoyed this experience. Most weak swimmers are afraid to trust the water. Why? It's dangerous. They could, I could I could I could die. I, I don't trust this. Doesn't sound good. Strong swimmers would rather rely on themselves to get across, and then they drown. Consistently weak and consistently strong Christians often miss out. On spiritual experiences for the very same reason unbelief. They don't trust. You know, they don't have trust. One would rather rely on themselves, and the weak are afraid to trust God. God says, If you will hear my voice, he offers us rest rest from the tensions of divided interests and motives, from the frustrations of trying to work for him, the stress of life. But if we respond to him and to his invitation, we can have his rest. How do you want that? I know I want it. How do you need that? I need it. Let's stand this morning. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.